Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. It's the beginning, guys. It's the beginning of our off-season programming Woo! where we just we yell about hypotheticals for now. <laughs> We're going to talk about exit interviews tonight, the uh, the award finalists, and a uh, potential snub, and then some other stuff. We're going to have fun. It's going to be a good time. We were without Steph, as you can see if you're watching on Facebook tonight, but we are going to make do. Let me introduce you to the panel for the evening. Uh, let's start it off with the bespectacled, spectacular Kelly Hankel. So I'm sure we'll get into this as we expand on the exit interviews. But the thing that I really took away from this is that someone who is not a hockey player needs to tell an injured hockey player to take a seat every now and again. Because if you're hurting the team by playing through an injury that's terrible, you need to have a seat. This is something we talked about. You weren't with us for the Patreon content yesterday. Uh, We talked about this on the Drunk Show and on... uh... I guess some other show, whatever else we did yesterday. I, I may repeat that. Yeah, I think it was the Q&A. Q&A. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's you know, there's a fine line. There's some sort of line somewhere. Like, okay, if, you're t- if you tell Sean Couturier, we can stabilize it and you're not going to get hurt any worse. Or you can skate on it. You'll be fine. You know, it'll just be a little painful. Okay, I can live with that. But when Wayne Simmons comes into camp with yeah. a torn pelvis, whatever pelvic muscle. Which I don't had, even know. Uh, yeah, some, uh, it sounds like a core muscle injury, yeah. and then he ended up pulling his groin. Uh, so it just sounded like a version of what you know Patrick and Konechny and or Patrick and Giroux and Gostas Bear all had. Like, all right, man, maybe you know you need to not play for a little while. But they chose to let him play with it all season, apparently, and this is what we got: a, a like seventy-five percent Wayne Simmons for most of the season, probably less. I'm going to tell you where the line is for me. If your number one defenseman who you rely on to play, you know, upwards of half an hour a game can't feel his arm or grip his stick. And our pal Micah McCurdy on after that game on Twitter uh, put up a graphic showing that Ivan Provorov played as poor as replacement level in that game as far as performance goes. And it's like, you know. Maybe Will O'Neill would have been better in that game than Ivan no, Provorov. No, probably not. And that, I mean, I just like if he literally can't as, hold his hockey stick. He's straight up Adam Banks. Like he's got one arm. He's at this point a detriment to the team. And we saw that Ivan Provorov in that elimination game was not Ivan Provorov. And so perhaps both he and the team 
would have been better served by someone in a position of authority telling him, kid, love your heart. You got to have a seat. Eh, I don't know. He, I think he played really well in the first 40 minutes. Yeah. The, the third period, he was bad. Yeah, but to me, the bigger... Because mis- his arm got progressively yeah. less useful. Yeah. Well, to me, the, <laughs> to me, the bigger mistake was not letting him play. The, to me, the bigger mistake was, why didn't you dress seven defensemen? Well, yeah, like, that could have like helped, why? too. Yeah. If you know a guy has only... There's a chance he's going to get to the point later in the game where he can't play. Ride him out for as long as he can where he can feel his arm, and then when he can't feel his arm, give Travis Sanheim more minutes. Yeah, especially considering the decisions that were made, and I know this has been the show for all season, but considering the decisions that were made, who played and who didn't, why not just dress that guy? Had to have Dale Weiss in yeah. the lineup like, to play, what, seven minutes on the fourth what, line? What was the point of that? <laughs> there was no it's point. very helpful. Like when we're sit- it was just like the regular season when we're sitting there. It's like, oh, yeah, Tyrell Goldborn got a, oh, 3.30, huh? Oh, okay, Travis Sanheim was scratched. That's fun. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good call there, Coach. Uh, like, just dress seven, maybe. If it was, okay, we're going to shoot you up. And that to me, that was the issue wasn't he couldn't feel it. The issue was when the shot wore off, he lost all use of it. Yeah. That's what it looked yep. like. Yep. And it was pretty clear he wasn't at full strength. Uh, early on, he took a shot like off the rush, and it was like yeah. on the way to the net. And yeah. you're like, oh, okay, this isn't going to be so great. But then that turnover, you just go, yep, that's what a guy with use of one arm looks like. That's exactly what it looked like when you found out later. Oh, yeah, it was a six- to eight-week injury. That was, The biggest question was... All right, say they win that game. You let him go out for game seven. Say they miraculously win game seven. Yeah. He plays a whole nother, like, he would have had to play all the way to the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Imagine if they keep winning. And granted, with Ivan Provorov having one arm, you probably weren't going to keep winning. So what is the point of letting him, like, the whole thing is dumb. The whole thing is dumb. Like, we can't win with him with one arm, but we're going to make him play with one eye. Obviously, it was probably his decision because they told him, but, like, just, I don't know. It's ballsy, but what's the point? From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So I want to just say something here because I've had a lot of people be asking me on Twitter and whatnot about what do I think the Flyers should do in the offseason? What do I think the Flyers should do in the draft? The offseason content, guys, it's coming. You just got to give me a week or two to do my actual research because during the regular season in the playoffs, I didn't have the time to be watching tape of prospects or, or going through stats of every single free agent. I legitimately have no idea who I think the Flyers should target in any what of these were you, things. Sleeping? I was actually eating meals. Why you need to pay a researcher, Charlie? <laughs> I know, right? That'd be <laughs> I, awesome. I don't <laughs> sleep. Tell me what you want. <laughs> so once I feel comfortable enough in my opinions on what the Flyers should do, I'll you guys will be the first to know. But I don't know. So give me like a week or two to figure it out. Here first. was your first mistake, Charlie. One, you took the job. Two, <laughs> I just read your exit interview thing, and you didn't break it up into like five different articles. I know, right? I've read all the Hackstall one. quotes. You had the Hextall quotes. You had the Drew quotes, all in one piece. As you can see, I all I had to do was copy out of one piece. It was very like it was useful for me. I didn't have to click around to find shit. But like break it up into three pieces. People are like, oh, we got three yeah. pieces of content today. That you, was your first mistake. You can That's tell fair. Charlie went to an Ivy League school. At the state yeah. schools, we learned how to stretch out our yeah. bullshit into more than one assignment <laughs> that was your biggest mistake like, <laughs> you, you wrote the one thing and now people are moving on to the next you could have broken that up into several and then put out the hot takes like yeah, first it's just the quotes wrong. first is just the quotes and then the hot takes about the quotes we're gonna do three weeks on this stuff <laughs> throw like we two are. or three mailbags in there you got a whole summer's worth of content i promise you that's not what we're gonna do um 
Well, I want to. Charlie doesn't have his opinion yet uh, because he's going to have an informed opinion. My opinion is based purely on emotion. <laughs> I mean, we expect nothing less. Ron, that's why. We just like do that. something. Give me any gesture, any gesture to show me you love me. Show me I matter a little bit. I don't care what it is. I want the equivalent. If you just all you can do, if the equivalent of drawing a a, a hand drawn card that says Happy Bill Day, like that's all I'm asking for. Just some sort of something to show me we're on the same page. I just want a good player. It could be a defenseman. It it can be a center. It can be a goalie. It can be anything. Show me you love me, Ron. Show me you love me. Well, considering his comments, I don't think he loves you, Bill. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, no. I don't think he likes any of us even a little bit. I wonder, like, has anyone ever passed him along the quotes? That, I bet you he's heard quotes from this show. Yeah, I know he doesn't listen. He, he definitely doesn't listen. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He did. He did bring up Goldborn, like, Immediately after yeah. I said it, mm-hmm. but he, I, was he, he was watching live. a live yeah. stream. He I was, was watching choking. live. I was choking, Ron. <laughs> it was facetious. Uh, I, but just ju- do something to show me you love me. Like all I want is to hear that you made an offer to John Tavares, and I'll go. Okay, Ron loves me. He does. He loves us all very much. We are all once again children of Ron. All right, everybody. Um, I guess. Start with the news that came out most recently. Uh, as we expected, Sean Couturier was a Selkie finalist. Uh, I don't expect him to win, but it's good that he's finally getting recognition. It's a uh, recognition award, uh, and now his name's going to be permanently in the conversation. It's like O-lineman and Pro Bowl nods. It's like, oh yeah, once you get one, pff, you're good for your career. Um, the Drew MVP snub. <clears throat> I, yeah. It just doesn't... I get that all the guys have a good case, but when you outproduce all the guys, like yeah, every everyone one of them. who was a finalist had worse numbers. How is that a thing, Charlie, a voting th- member of the media? Yeah, Charlie, why did you do this? I mean, I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just annoying. And I think that's really what it boils down to. It's just yeah. annoying that we had 102 points. He outscored yeah. all of them. He outscored he had, every non-McDavid player. He had as he had yep. just as good of a case as any of these guys. And I don't. I, I I mentioned this on Twitter after the announcement. Like I don't understand why he is consistently underrated in the national media, but he is. And it's not that they don't think he's good. They just don't think he's as good as he actually is. And maybe the last couple of years hurt him because he had down years. But like Kopitar had a down year last year too, and that yeah. didn't seem to hurt him. And that's like. Uh, I always okay. He's a winger now, but like you look at Taylor Hall, and he so you didn't even have the positional bias with Taylor Hall making it. He's a winger. This, I think we said it on last week's show or something. We said it somewhere. You did. I have to see how the if he missed it by a vote. Yeah, like, that's fair. Sure, I'm. I bet you this is a close vote, but. When you just look at it and you go, by the numbers, he has the exact same case as all the other guys, except his numbers are better. <laughs> I don't understand how you left him out. I'm there- I'm actually really glad that we get to see the votes this season because I'm I'm like really curious to know if any of the local guys didn't give him a first place vote. Because I feel like here, like I can understand why, you know, a, a beat writer in St. Louis might not have a real firm grasp on just how important Claude Giroux was to this team. But if you're watching this team night in and night out and you didn't give Claude Giroux a first place 
MVP vote, I have a lot of questions. For well, you. I don't think that's, to be honest, I don't think that's quite fair. Uh-oh. Be- because, Charlie's telling me something right now. Well, it's just because, like, really, even if you do watch the team on a daily basis, you should try to not be biased. Well, and, I don't, and, and, the thing and, is, though, I don't think that that would require any bias. Eh, I don't. It was a really close race. You can make, you can make a case for any of those guys. Up okay, until fair, the race, but I, f- I don't think that. If if Dave Isaac votes Claude Drew number one, I'm not going to say that's because Dave Isaac was a homer. Like he legitimately has a case to be a first place MVP vote. Sure, I'm just saying that I don't think that like the idea that a a guy who covers or or a girl if we ever actually got one um, actually covered the Flyers and didn't think that Drew was the, the the number one MVP. Like leaving Drew off the ballot entirely, I agree. But like if you thought that Drew was second or third, I don't. I'm not going to begrudge you that. Up until about the last two weeks of the season, I had Taylor Hall number one. I don't vote, but just in my head, I was like, you know what? I think Taylor Hall's still the MVP. Um, the way Drew got pulled that team basically out of, oh, man, it looks like they could still miss it and, like, made it impossible for them to miss the playoffs, I think catapulted him in my mind. And once it became dead heat, the top four guys for me, obviously I'm just going to be biased and pick Claude Giroux. If they're all even, I'm going to go with the guy I like. And that's what it was for me. I just... For him to not be in the top three is very it, it's it's weird. I might it's be just weird misremembering the facts here, but I think all three of those guys dropped off towards the end of the season, whereas Drew picked it up. Uh, I think McKinnon may have dropped off a bit, but I don't think the other two did. Oh, okay. I don't think Hall did, if I remember correctly. Uh, and I'm not sure. I honestly I wasn't even paying close attention to Kopitar because yeah. he wasn't really even on my radar. Like to me. The, to me, the top four were, and this this was the vote, the top four I had voting wise were Drew, Hall, McKinnon, McDavid, and I Kopitar. I think I might have given him fifth, but like he wasn't even a consideration for me as as a as a as a finalist. It was like, look, if you're not gonna if you're gonna leave Drew out, I it, in my mind it should have been because you didn't care about the playoffs thing and you thought McDavid should be. Yeah, the that's answer. the thing. Like if he had been left out in favor of McKinnon, Hall, and McDavid. I might be okay with it, but Kopitar in no way, in my mind, deserves a spot on that ballot ahead of Claude Giroux. I guess it's just one of those bounce-back year center. He is a Selkie finalist. Like, I don't know. I, I It's really close, but to have Kopitar and not Giroux, I think that's the one that really that's stands the one, out. Yeah. Because it was so obvious to most people, oh, yeah, Giroux, McKinnon, Hall. That's... That's that's our class here, and I think it all it should also show, it also should show just how far behind he must have been before yeah. that last surge. Yeah, because that got him in the running. Before then, he might have finished like seventh. Yeah, <laughs> because I don't think anybody in the national media even had him in in their the idea like Claude Drury. Yeah, he's having an okay year, whatever. But let's get back to talking about Taylor Hall. Yeah, and then you look at. I want to see where Kucherov finished. I want to yeah. see where Malkin finished. Like, and then McDavid is the big question. How do you how people balance the not making the playoffs and not necessarily even all that close versus led the league in scoring? So we'll see there. Before we move on from this, because it you know it doesn't really matter, um, but it's fun to talk. Yeah, about. Charlie, story. you had an idea about these awards that I found really interesting. Uh, your idea of taking the Selkie, the Vezina. And the uh, Norris winners, and then kind of going, 
let's determine the heart from there. Yeah, that, I mean that's oh. that's my idea. Where I think the that is I think the Selgi should just be the best forward rather than this like weird nebulous. Is it best defensive forward? Is it best two way forward? Is it best forward who has a good re- defensive reputation but scores the most points? Just make it like the, the best, best forward. the best two way forward kind of makes sense that the best two-way forward is the best forward. And I'm not like Connor McDavid could be the best two-way forward because when he's on the ice, he's always on offense. He's, he outscores everyone <laughs> yeah. because they never play defense because he has the puck all the time. So like, I would love it if they did it like that. You know, you announce the Selkie, you announce the Norris, you announce the Vezina, you'd have those three guys battle against each other as the nominees for the heart. That's yeah. act, that would be kind of fun. Actually. They'll never do it, but no, I always no, like that idea. No, I, I really, when you brought that up yesterday, I thought that was really cool. All right, but uh, some other Giroux news that I guess we have to get to. Is this whole uh, the the fans booing? Oh boy, hurts us. Oh with, boy. With the headline is Drew blames fans for booing, which what, is bullshit. But what he said was, when the fans start to boo, say we're down a goal or two, all of a sudden we start trying to do too much. When we're on the road, you know, we fall down by a goal or two, we stick to the game plan because we're not getting booed by our home fans. But when we're at home, when the booing starts, all of a sudden, everyone's just trying to do too much. So People yeah. took this a certain way, including me a little bit. A, a little bit, I took it as, yeah. just say what Couturier said. We deserve it. That's it. Boom. The end. The thing is, though, he if you... If you Take those comments, you do a little bit of a close reading of them. He kind of did say that. Like, he's not saying the booing is why we're bad. He's saying there's booing, and we don't respond to it correctly. He was blaming himself and the team. He wasn't blaming the fans for anything. And what happened was hack journalists twisted those words around. It was really just just one. Yeah, clicking. Well, the thing is, though, like, people took his headline— and I saw like a segment on the news about uh, it. Okay. I, there Fair. was a thing on WIP about it. Like people ran with the headline. You, you're, you're counting like, radio hosts as journalists. Okay. No, I'm not crapping saying, on like, you. I'm just laughing at the concept. Yeah, media outlets ran with the idea that the captain of the Flyers was shitting on the fans for booing, and he absolutely didn't. Right. I know. It Ron just... Hextall, however. <laughs> and we'll get to Ron in a yeah. second. Uh, first, I just want to. I read that after I, I took a couple, uh, took a little bit of time to to think about that quote, and it was something again we talked about yesterday. Um, it Giroux never says anything. That's the thing that that got to me. The fact that he said multiple sentences about this thing, like if Jake Voracek had said this, we just go, oh, well, that's Jake. He 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 talks. Like he'll say whatever. <laughs> he never says. He, yeah. he would just, he would just say the fans are idiots, and we would all go, yeah. I mean, that's Jake. It's fine. Did, did, did he say that about the woos? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> like we'd all go, yeah, that's Jake. That's fine. When it's Giroux who never says two words about anything, we start to wonder. Like, is this something that maybe the team talks about? Is it something that even the coaches have said? Like, hey, when they start to boo, don't do that thing you always do. <laughs> and then I read this quote. It was in your piece on the Athletic about all the uh, then about all the uh, exit interview stuff. And it was a quote from Coach Dave Haxtall, and it was about his perceived lack of emotion uh, behind the. V- behind the bench, and it's kind of an explanation. He says, I'll tell you this. I felt like when I came here three years ago, just by listening and watching some things, I felt like on our bench and part of our team there was a wasted emotion, some misdirected emotion. That was one thing we needed to work at correcting early on, so I'm pretty guarded by nature. I don't want the TV cameras on me and everything else. I'm not there to put on a show. I felt like we had to reel in some of the wasted emotion. So... 
when I compare Giroux's comments to Hackstall's, I he's just a he's not an emotional like I'm not he's I'm not John Tortorella. And I don't want him to put on a show. That's what I, when fans are like, he's a cardboard cutout back there. I'm like, Terry Murray was a cardboard yeah, cutout. Yeah, cares? He got this yeah. team to a Stanley Cup final. Um, but at the same time, and, and I agree that Hacksaw's actual personality is probably pretty low-key, but like, there was that time in college where he gave the ref the finger. Yeah. So, so, so like, <laughs> it, it is there somewhere. He also so, got, he got pretty animated during this playoff series at points. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw him um, open his mouth a couple of times. <laughs> oh, he, no, there was, I don't remember if it was game four or five. He was like yelling and clapping and really like animated. So like I can buy that while he's never going to be John Tortorella, that maybe there's yeah. more fire that he holds back yeah. because he thinks the team would not benefit from him doing it. And when I think of guys who are emotional on this team, we see guys... The leaders of the team. I see Giroux. I see Voracek. I see Ghost. Sometimes overreact and get frustrated. We saw it in those playoffs time and time again. Maybe this is a strategy of his. Maybe his person. And again, not sticking up for Dave Haxtell. Not saying I want Dave Haxtell to be the coach. I'm saying when I read this and compare it to Giroux's comments, I'm saying maybe this is kind of strategic. Maybe it is that. So to get back to the the booing thing. Okay. Just for a second, because this kind of made me think of when you kind of went on your little rant during the playoffs about how we need to bring a little bit of life into the building. And I'm with you on that. And I found that it seemed like the reaction to those comments, both on Twitter and kind of in person, people were kind of annoyed. Like, why should I cheer if they don't give me something to cheer for? And part of me thinks that, like, this kind of thing should maybe show us as a fan base. Like, there was a time. When that building was loud with cheering, not with booing. And that's no. And it wasn't because the Flyers were scoring six goals a game and you just had a ton of shit to cheer for. You went to a game and you cheered yeah. for your team. No, and you tried to get them. Like you, there's, it's kind of like when you go to a concert, there's like this shared transfer of energy between you and the band on stage. And maybe there's a little bit of that with pro sports too, where there's a, a transfer of energy. We should be giving them vocal support even if they're not doing everything perfectly. And I think that maybe the fact that for the last three, four years, it's been one of two things in that building, a tomb where you can hear a pin drop or fire the coach or booze and fire the coach chance. That's going to affect the team. It does. And you can say, well, fuck them. I paid money and I'm going to boo you if you don't put on a show for me. Like, all right, fine. But like, at some point, you have to accept if all that you do is boo the team when they're at home. They're not going to like you. They're very not going to like you very much, and it's probably <laughs> not wrong it's there. probably eventually going to wear down on their psyche. So you have to take a little bit of responsibility. And I'm not like no at the not end. Not to of, say that I I'm yeah you know what I'm saying. At the end of game four, when they've been outscored ten to one at home, I'm not saying you should be standing up applauding no. the team. Give that, them a little bit. I'm of just something. saying between like. When Kate Smith ends and falling down to nothing, you know it's not the end of the world. The Get a little bit of let's go immediately fire. Immediately go silent when they lose the opening faceoff. Like that's what I'm saying is when they when the first two shots on goal are by the opponent, it's not ah oh, here we go and you start booing. Right. Like that's and or you just go silent and you just you know go take selfies in the, in the hallway with your friends. Like I just uh, like yeah. There's have, no in between anymore. No, I'm not saying no. Getting outscored eighteen to six at home—that's bad. Sure, boo it. That's wrong. It's not good. But no. you know, on the other hand, 
when I hear this thing about fans booing, I'm like, you know, they weren't booing when you're up 4-2. That was you guys. Yeah. That was yeah. you guys who gave up five unanswered goals. That wasn't the fans. No, but I'm saying, you know, it's an 82-game no, I- season. I, I understand. You're suppo- we're supposed to like this team, right? Like we're <laughs> supposed to want them to win and do good. Maybe every now and again we give them a little bit of cheerleading, I, I agree. just for funsies. No, I think there's I think there's responsibility on both sides here. I'm gonna be Bill both sidesman right now. <laughs> there we go. Like I, I I think the fans need to be more vocal and better, and I think we need to bury Kate Smith. Can this just be over now? Can it's the, painful. At can this the point. Kate Smith thing just end? Whenever they break her out, I'm like, here comes a heartbreaker. Like it's been 43 years since they won a cup. There's no more good luck. You, you know what I do think? I, I think that with regards to the Kate Smith deal, they should do it less. Yes. L- like I'm cool with with breaking out. God bless America. Let Lauren but, like, do just, it herself. Just let Lauren do it. And she's a beautiful and, voice. And maybe like. If it's game seven of a playoff series, you break out Kate. Like, that makes sense to me. But let's not do it for game four of a first-round series against Pittsburgh. Like, yeah. come on, guys. Yeah. This is, it's not going to kill us if they lose this game. And that's like, that the thing, like they break it out so often. And they always lose. <laughs> like they, always, they did break it out game 82, and it worked. But it was the Rangers. They stink. Like, I don't, I just... I, like, I, the last time, I think, I believe they did it this night, the, the last time it actually had an impact. And, and, you know, maybe I'm being a jerk here because I bet for some fans, whereas, like, the first playoff game they've been to, it's a big deal. So I don't want to shit on the concept con- that entirely. But the last time it really had an impact on me was... It was the it was the end of the the 2016 season when Snyder was like on his deathbed and Lauren did it with the with the phone so she could like so he yeah. could see it like that mm-hmm. that was really really something that was the last yeah. time where they did it and I was like I you know I I have the feels here that's that's cool yeah that okay yes that is a fine situation but like to break like that's what I'm saying like that's a big. That's a big thing. Like the guy who brought you your team is probably going to die in the next couple days. Let's break out Kate Smith. Yes, that's absolutely. And we're tr- we're trying to make the playoffs yes. as well. That's that's absolutely <laughs> appropriate in yeah. that situation. All right, let's move on to uh, some Hextall quotes. Oh, Ron, this stuff. Um, the first thing. This is what this is what my my opening remarks were about. Just do something to you know. Just show me you love me, Ron. When he says, we're not going to do what makes us popular. We're going to do what we feel like is right. Well, what is right is signing good players. Oh. So do that. Like that a novel make, idea, and, William. Like, that will make you popular. So, like, I don't understand. Like, does he think... Like, this is him... Pre- that quote by itself feels like him preparing me for we're going and getting Dale Weiss again. Well, yeah. And then he says the other thing which is just once again letting you know that you're an idiot and Ron knows what's best for you. Yeah, the all... Just shut up and take your medicine. <laughs> the, the the next quote, with all due respect to our fans, and I think you're talking about I'm a minority of our fans, so you have to be really <laughs> careful there. I know this. I know a lot more about our coaches than everyone else knows. Our coaches know a lot more about our players than everyone else knows. Our coaches study our players. They talk to our players. They see our players in practice every day. They got a really good grip on our players. I'm very satisfied with the job our coaches have done. Oh, boy. Defend it. This was one of those things where you, you knew he had to say something like this. 
he just didn't say it in the right way. No. Because if you're going to, if you've made the decision, you're bringing back all the coaches. And I'm not just talking about Dave. I'm talking about the assistant oh, no. coaches. And we'll, and, and, coach we'll, and we'll get there. But if you've made that decision you, and you know the fans, a lot of the fans are not going to like it. You kind of have to basically say, I know best. But you could have said it better. A little bit. You could have said it a lot better. And he didn't. And you, you talking. This is the thing that bothered me. Yeah, you do, Ron. You do know best. You better. You're the general <laughs> manager of the goddamn team. You yeah. better know best. However, when you get out, the people you're talking down to, or the people who just paid good money to watch you get beat eighteen to six three times at home, uh, guess what? Go f yourself. Yeah. So no, here, don't yeah. talk to me like this. I know best. Well, the team you put together just got embarrassed by the team that is put together right, mm-hmm. and that's a good coach. Don't tell me our coaches are doing a good job when I'm watching Pittsburgh and going, no, that's a good coach. Yeah, and like I don't need to hear that. Like you know, Dave Haxtall thinks it's really sweet that you know Val Philpola picks up litter on the street on the outside of the practice facility so he really knows him and we don't really know Val Philpola so maybe shut the fuck up I don't know uh-huh. I mean what could he possibly <laughs> be talking about they talk to our players oh are, like are they nice and polite do they say please and thank you a lot so they get lots of ice time like I don't need to be Dave Hackstall to watch a hockey game and see which player is playing well and see which player is not playing well we can all see that shit. So I, I want to make a point here because this Uh-oh. was something that uh, this was something that Steph actually made. She made this point during her Patreon shows. She unfortunately isn't here to make the point. So I'm making this point, but know that this is Steph's point. I'm not stealing her point. This is Steph's idea, and I think it's an interesting one. It really made me think. Uh, hmm. Basically, Steph theorized that possibly one of the reasons why Hextall did this was to take the heat off of Hack and. That's interesting to me, and here's why that that kind of it, it, something clicked because I believe it was Mike Sealski who was writing this article about like the chance that that was what inspired these comments because mm-hmm. Sealski I believe asked asked Hextall you know what do you think of when you hear the fans after Game Four chanting Fire Hextall and that was where when he went on that I know better than everybody kind of thing so he asked the same question to Hack because this is the column he's writing so he's asking the question to get that and unlike Hextall. Hack had a really, really good answer. Like, he had the perfect answer for the city, which is, is it something you love hearing? No. But I love being a part of the Philadelphia Flyers. We've got unbelievable fans. We've got some of the best fans. They're hardworking people. They're honest. They're passionate. And that's part of it. For me, I love being part of the Flyers. I'm here for a reason with a real goal in mind, and that's a part of it. That's all I can really tell you, how I feel about our fans in that way. We're pretty lucky. We're pretty fortunate here. Like, that's the perfect answer to a question like that. And the fact that Hextall went the total opposite direction is basically like, nah, I know better than these idiots. Like, it, it makes you wonder if he knew that the fans are really ticked off at hack and is like, well, I can take some of the fire. And that's, we, we theorized that Ron Hextall he can take some shots. Like it's not going to hurt him. If people are a little pissed off at Ron Hextall, it's already, or they they were already at critical mass with the coach and he's coming back. And I bet you he's back the year after. Alternatively, even if you don't believe it, just placate your idiot fans with like a Gabe Kapler answer. I know people are booing me for a reason. I should be listening to that and thinking about why they're booing me and doing things better next time. Like you don't have to believe that shit, but you can say it out loud. 
No, yeah, no. Dave, Dave's answer to that question, if we were gonna like, you know, hook him up to a lie detector test, was f these people. Yeah, <laughs> like, and that's totally fine. Yeah, we're saying we want you to be unemployed, and anyone who has a job, if someone was saying I think you should lose it, you would say f yourself. Right. So, like, that's totally fine. But for him to have the right answer is good. And then for Ron, now we can't criticize Dave for his answer. Now we have Ron. And we can a, criticize him, but he's not going anywhere. It's a fair theory. Yeah, I, I, uh, we it appreciated it. Sure. Yeah, I think yeah. it makes a decent amount of sense. Now, this is where Hextall uh, starts to win me back a little. When they ask him about his offseason plan, what he thinks of the roster. You'd like to find another centerman. You always still look through the center of your lineup, your goaltending, your D, and your centers. If we could upgrade at center, that would be great. Obviously, that's assuming Giroux is going to remain on the wing. So if we could do something there, we'd certainly look at it. Excellent answer, because that's I. Is that their biggest need at three, this point? Three C, I feel like, is their biggest need. Yeah. So that tells me uh, that Ron's going to go out and get me Johnny Tavares. <laughs> And that would be fine, because then your 3C is Nolan Patrick. Yeah, that ain't bad. Pretty excellent. Um, uh, I would love for them to go get Tavares, but (laughs) recognizing that this is just a need. Yeah. Thinking, all right, yeah, we definitely, now you're showing me you see what I see. Now it's, all right, yeah, you do know better, but... Like, we have the same idea. We're on the yeah, same page well, he, here. He scared some people in the beginning. because I think it was like the third or fourth question. I jumped in, and I was like, okay, about these vets that are UFAs, you're bringing any of them back. And he basically said, in 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 more words than this, but he essentially was like, Manning, Reed, do you're gone. Philpola, we have some interest, but we got to see what happens later in the office. And of course, people went nuts. Was, I mean, and I understand. Like, I don't want Philpola back under any circumstances. But later on, when he says you'd like to find another centerman, that tells me that the Philpola thing is like, we're going to try to find an upgrade. And if we can't, we may go back to Val. Oh, yeah, now, I, I don't even want them to do that. I was going to say, but, yeah, we don't need to do that. But I do think they realize that they need to get better than Oh, Philpola. no, that seemed like if it's August 1st and we don't have another center... We're going to be calling Val. Yeah. Um, however, it's just like, you know, bring up some Phantoms. Right. Anybody. <laughs> like, let me see Anybody. Vecchioni. Let me see Vorobiev. Like, just throw them at 4C. Let me see Lawton up in the lineup. Yeah, just like, put Lawton at 3C if it gets to that point. Let, just, I know Laterra is going to be our fourth line center this year. You oh, know God. it to be true. No. And this is the next thing I wanted to get to. Probably won't be buying out Yuri Laterra. <laughs> I get it. No. Uh, this is like, just get through it. Because... You have some cap space, sure, if they want to make a bunch of moves, you could use that $3 million saving. But he actually commented, like, you, you start buying out players that have two, three, or four years left on their deals, all of a sudden you're dragging that out. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, I don't want Yuri Laterra here. I wish they would park him in the AHL or do something, just scratch him every night. The issue is if Dave has him at his disposal he's going to use that's that's the problem like yes if 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 you're just going to get through his contract i'm fine with. yeah if you could promise me that latera was going to be used next year the same way that reed was this year where he spends half the year in the ahl maybe comes up at the end plays in a fourth line minimal you know minimal role whatever i'm cool with that that works i can live with it the problem is is my fear he's going to be is that he's going to play 70 games yep next year and that's why, even though it probably makes more sense from a cap standpoint to keep them next year, just because then you're done with it after next year, you're probably not going to need that space next year. Mm-hmm. You got to take away the coach's toys. Yep. Like yeah. that's what it boils down to, and that's why you wanted him to get bought out because I'm scared that he's just going to keep playing them. 
Yeah, uh, a buyout would have cost $1.366 million cap hit in 2018-19, $1.666, nice million dollar cap hit in 2019-20. He has one year at 4.7 mil. So you're looking at a savings, but stretching it out like the Umberger things. And Umberger comes off the books, you know, he's off now this at the end of this season. You don't want to just keep getting back on that cycle. So I get it. You know, it's a team with cap space. Even without buying them out, they've, they're going to have like 20 mil, right? It's like 17. Yeah, they're, they, they're going to have a lot. They're over 17 mil. They got to resign. They got to the resign Haig. Up. Yeah. They, I'm sure they're going to resign Lear to a cheap deal, but like Haig's the only one who they got to resign who's going to get any real money. Like maybe he'll get a couple mil yeah. on his next deal. And even that, like a couple, we're talking, if he gets 2.3 over three years, I'm going to be surprised. Yeah. He only played the one season in the yeah. NHL, so he doesn't come in with a ton of leverage. Uh, and he didn't score a lot. That's usually how guys get, yeah. you know, big contracts. Uh, yeah, the they'll, they'll, hits, they'll have cap space. <laughs> he didn't. He lost that lead. Oh, right, right, right. Because they, uh, they, they scratched him. Yeah. Thanks yeah. a lot, Dave. <laughs> good. Knock down that negotiating <laughs> position. Way to go, Dave. That's good financial sense right there. Play Brandon Manning more. I can't wait. Oh, I really God. need Brandon Manning to sign somewhere for two mil so I can win 20 bucks off Steph. I really need that. Oh, we shall see. It's yeah. not going to be here. No, it's not going to be here. According to Hexel. That was, I will believe that shit when I see it, that folks. Was, that was an excellent... That was... I think like an underreported part because they, you know, Hextall says the stuff about the fans and he has the lukewarm at best interest in Philpola. The idea that Brandon Manning won't be back, I think, should be celebrated more because yes. that means we're going to get at least Samuel Moran. And that leads me to you. Did you ask what uh, what phantoms are going to get a, be- a yeah. long look? I didn't even that- say phantoms. I said because what Hextall's always said with the development is that the way he looks at it in training camp is that guys who played well the previous year, they get what he calls a longer look mm-hmm. in camp than guys who didn't, than guys who he doesn't think are physically ready, things like that. So I asked him, who's going to get the longer look? Obviously, this is before workouts and dev camps, so you don't have a clear view. But right now, who do you think is getting the longer look? And the three guys you named were Moran. Now, granted, Moran didn't have a good year this year, but I think they know he's basically NHL ready. He was basically NHL ready last camp. Yeah. So him. He's just left-handed, remember? (laughs) Him, Phil Myers, and Nick Albay-Kubel. They were the three guys you named. Oh, God, I want Phil on this team so bad. I I can't freaking wait. I just want Samuel Moran because I just need to see it. I need, even if he stinks, I hope he's like a good player. But I'd just rather him fail here than succeed elsewhere. I just need to see it. I just, he's been here, what was it? 2013? Yeah, 2013 That was the draft. I just need to know. I just need to know if he's any good at all. I want to find out. Myers, um, the injuries and stuff, I... I've really lowered my expectations for Phil Myers. I'm more worried about Moran's injuries than I am Phil Myers' injuries. I just, this is multiple years for Phil Myers, and it's like all sorts of different things. I feel like Moran re injured the same thing a couple of times this year. See, I'm more concerned about the player who I'm not sure is actually any good Mm -hmm. versus the player who I know is good. He just gets hurt a little bit too much. Like, I, I, Phil Myers, if he stays healthy, is going to be a good NHL defenseman. I am not sure Sam Moran is an NHL defenseman. Oh, yeah. No, I have no expectations in terms of level of play here. This is just 
oh man, if he's just hurt all the time, that's going to be a real bummer, Myers. Yeah, I mean, disappointing. I had such high expectations. Like, it was, oh man, they may have found like a real decent top four defenseman undrafted. And I still think they may have found a real mm-hmm. decent I, top four I, defenseman. Oh, I, I fully believe he's got all the talent in the world. It's just that if he plays 50 games a year and those 50 games come in the beginning and we don't have him for a playoff run, that's damaging. Yeah, that'll stink. That's really damaging. Yeah. Um, Moran, I just like I just want to see someone stand in front of the net and beat people up. That's all I want. Yeah, he is kind of your type of guy. I just want one. I want someone. Do you know how many guys? Like, how many? We goals? already have Radko Goose. He doesn't defend the front of the net a little bit. You're not wrong. I know. He I smashes, want one. Though. How many guys just stand directly in front of the goaltender and score without? Like Wayne Simmons must be furious every time. If I was him, I would be constantly yelling at the defenseman. Like, do you see the beating I take? Do you have any idea how many injuries I'm playing with right now? And Jake Gensel just gets to stand there. He just gets to stand there completely uncontested. Like, oh my God, just cross-check someone in the mouth once in front of the net. Can we uh, Can we use this as a, a segue into the part of the Flyers game where not covering the person in front of the net seems to have the biggest impact. Hmm. The Flyers don't seem to agree because they're not making changes. Mm. And it would be on the penalty kill and where Ian LaPerriere, it's been confirmed that he is coming back. Now, it hasn't been 100% confirmed he's coming back to manage the penalty kill, but Hexall basically said, pretty sure everybody's roles are going to be the he, same. His quote, He's coming back, guys. He said, I'm happy with the job our coaches are doing. He elaborated on uh, the penalty kill, which... He did kind of say, like, hey, it got better at the end of the year. Well, yeah, because you brought Matt Reed up. And it's also, the, and not only that, it was so bad. Yeah, it exactly. couldn't get worse. Exactly. Like, there's no, there's literally nowhere to go from but up yeah. when you were ranked, like, second to last. Yeah. yeah. No shit. You, like, even just by, by, like, random variance, you were bound to get a little bit better. Yeah, I don't understand how he can look at that penalty kill over the course of a season and think, you know what? Yeah, that's good. I'm into it. Uh, 75.8. 79.8 or yeah uh, 80.5 77.1 those are the last four years 29th 21st 21st 27th is that's what you have down here yeah you had a little different but it's just where they were with teams they were tied okay you had like 19th instead of 21st stuff like that okay increase. this is just i looked at nhl oh man look at 2013-14 what a time yeah yeah well the way i look at it there because you know as much as people ripped on baruby i don't think he was a great head coach he was really good at coaching a penalty kill. Yeah. And he was the guy who was the the penalty kill coach before Lappy. 2013-14 was the year where Baruby was the PK coach during training camp. Like yeah. he he implemented his system to start the year, then, you know, then Lappy gets Lappy gets, <laughs> yeah, gets yeah. But my guess is that LaPerriere was basically just riding Baruby's coattails, yeah. and then the following year is when LaPerriere started implementing his stuff, and then the whole thing went off the rails. But even with, Lord, what a drop! <laughs> even even with that extra year, even with that fifth year, their five season total is seventy nine point nine percent, which is twenty fifth overall during that time frame. Uh, the penalty kill allowed five goals to Pittsburgh on twenty five percent or on twenty five attempts for a clean eighty percent. So their five season average is seventy nine point nine. In the playoffs, they were at eighty percent. So Hextall perceives the unit as getting better when what they did in the playoffs is exactly their average for five years. Well, it's actually, exactly who they've it's been. 0.1 percentage points better, yeah. William. That's an improvement. 0.0. Oh, no, yeah, 0.1. 0.1. Right. I, I am. That's an improvement, my friend. Like, 
and, and I, I've been criticizing Lappy for years. I've been criticizing Lappy. I think I've been on the, like, what the hell is Lappy doing ever since the Washington series when yeah. the first three mm-hmm. games they just couldn't John stop John Carlson it. was just netting yeah. every shot. Yeah. Um, I am stunned that they're bringing this guy back. And the only thing I can think of is they just like him so much as a person that they they keep making excuses for him. And that's but, like, what, find another job for him. He could do literally anything. Because that's something we've talked about uh, more, I think, a little last year when Ghost was getting scratched and TK was getting s- scratched and Hackstall and LaPerriere kind of had a good good cop, bad cop thing where, you know, the players are pissed because they're scratched and they're mad at the head coach. And then LaPerriere comes up and puts their arm around them and says, this is what you're doing. Well, you know, we still like you, blah, blah, blah. It's just this one thing. It's only, it's only temporary. He kind of, you know, gets the player back into it. Can he do that? Like, you know, as head of player relations or something, like make something up, like BFF to the players. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying to fire the guy. Yeah. I just don't want him managing the yeah. penalty kill anymore. Yeah. Just yeah. don't have him doing this because he's failed. Promote like, him has, out of this job. He has clearly <laughs> failed at this. He has keeping him around. It's we we got into this like I said, you know, just as a scapegoat, and you're like, it's not really a scapegoat when you deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not even scapegoating the guy if you would uh, just have something for the fans to go at least they're not bringing him back they're even bringing back the guy who clearly has failed what if I, they flipped knoblock and lappy <laughs> maybe that would work I, I, you know i don't know because like if you are really bad at stopping penalties maybe you'd be really good at doing <laughs> i don't even know i i just i i ended up following up because that got announced in like the beginning of, of the press conference with with Hextall and near the end I, I kind of it was right after Hextall had done the had had answered the question where he did the whole like I know better than everyone yeah. he's like well we have more information about our coaches and I basically jumped on that I was like look you say you have more information on your coaches I'm sure you do can you tell us what some of that information is regarding Lappy and the penalty kill because we look at the results and they're bad and he was like, yeah, we're not satisfied with the penalty kill, but and that's where he went into the hole. But we think it got better. Like, really? This is really what you're hanging your yeah, hat you on? Brought up you're Matt really Reeves. hanging your hat on the idea that it got a little bit better in the last 20 games of the season after being bad for the previous four three, years, three years. and, and yeah. three quarters years. And it wasn't even that good the last 20 games of the season. No, yeah. It was just passable. It was pa- It was at like 80% instead of 77. Like, okay, I guess that's not terrible, but... We need to be better. It just seems like every year they come up with a different excuse. Last year, it became very clear about two months into the season that they blamed last year's penalty kill on Mason because Mm -hmm. Hextall said in an interview, he basically said something to the extent of, last year we thought thought our goaltending on the the penalty kill was bad. This year, it's not the goaltending's fault. So he implicitly said, we blamed it on Steve Mason. We figured we get rid of Steve Mason, penalty kill will get better. This year, you're thinking, okay, he said we can't blame it on the goaltending. I guess he's finally going to have to blame the coach. And what does he say in, in the in one of his other answers? He's like, "We're going to get it. We're going to go out and we're going to get a penalty kill specialist kind of person." So now you're blaming it on the personnel. At some point, when does the buck stop with the guy telling the guys what to do on the ice? Like, it has yeah. to at some point, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And yes. we've like we've had such different personnel over the last few years, like. 
Uh, you know, Lawton's been used. Lear's been used. We had Vandevelde and Belmar were staples. Like, Giroux's in and out. Couturier used more, sometimes used less. But, you know, because he's your one Well, you now. were the one. Were you the one who said, like, you've literally got a Selkie finalist on yeah. your penalty kill and you're saying your personnel sucks? Like, come on. Yeah, like, what? If you 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 went as Hextall, you went out and said you think Sean Gattieri should be should win the Selkie. You were like, he's the guy, he should win. Okay, well if he's a Selkie, if he's your best offensive two way forward in hockey, why the fuck is the penalty kill so bad? <laughs> he's on your number one unit. Yep. Like, come on. That's a great question. Um, you mentioned goaltending. Did anyone ask about Morozik? No, but that was just because Morozik had already flat said. out pretty much said, "I'm gone." Okay. So it, there was no real need to ask him about Morozik because Morozik himself is like, "Yeah, you know, I don't think I'm coming back." <laughs> we, I mean, it was pre- it's pretty obvious he he played terribly. Yeah. Uh, the tender is like over four million. Yeah. And they'd have to forfeit another draft pick back to Detroit as part of uh, the trade, the conditional. Second or third? I think it's a third. Yeah, it's a third. third. I think the draft pick is what is what scares Hexel the most. Yeah. You know, you know how much he loves yeah. them, and that's fine. Because yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, no, I'd rather just draft a guy rather than bring back somebody who again failed. At least they're not rewarding his failure like they are Lapierre's, or like uh, they did Neuvert's. Yeah, like they did Neuvert's exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but speaking of the draft. Flyers, uh, hold on to that St. Louis pick. St. Louis didn't get any draft luck. It looks like they're going to be picking at 14 and 19. I'm into it. And Hextall had some kind of interesting comments here. If we want to move up, I would envision having the chance to move up. Uh, We're a little bit more defined in terms of the pieces that we have, at least have a good chance of playing. Uh, It narrows the scope a little bit where you say, okay, if we move up to this spot, we can get this player who's a good fit for the group of prospects that we have. There's a little bit more options. And when you look at their prospect pool, we say all the time, like, how many, like, they have so many, most of them are never going to play for this team. There just aren't enough roster spots. Like, and they have some high-end guys, like the middle-of-the-road guys who might be okay. Like, where are they going to go? Like, yeah. And now, all yeah. of a sudden, you have, I think I counted, 17 draft picks between this season and next season. Like, where the hell are these guys going to go? <laughs> you have two this year. It probably just makes more sense to move up. Trade with, like, <laughs> you get something back next year. You trade both of them, move up one a couple of spots, maybe even into the top 10. Mm-hmm. What are we looking at? Do you think that's a possibility? Trade up, trade them for us, trade them no. for NHL players. What do you think they're going to do? Our pal Kurt wrote a nice piece on BroadStreetHockey.com today about how it's very rare, actually, to trade up into the top 10. So I understand, yeah, I, I, I understand where Kurt is coming from, but I don't 100% agree with him in the sense that I do think the Flyers are going to try Ooh, pretty, blog wars. pretty hard. Um, <laughs> whether they succeed, I don't know. Like The, the thing that they, they're going to run into an issue here is that by like the draft value, the draft pick value thing, like packaging those two picks together really should get you up to like four or five. And I don't think that the teams at four and five are going to be willing to move those picks. But you have two first-round picks. You could package a first with a second. Or like, yeah. a, and and maybe slip up into nine ten. I don't know. I I think the Flyers are going to try. And I, I I what I what I would like to see is I'd like to go back and see how many teams had multiple picks in like the range the Flyers had, mm-hmm. uh, because this might just be a case the teams really never had that much. Like it's rare the teams have this much ammo. Yeah. I don't know. The fact that Hexall didn't rule it out leads him to believe he's going to give it. He's going to give it a fair shot. I actually would. I would rather them trade one of the picks away for an actual roster player yeah, yeah, rather my, than trade up. That's that would be my preference. Yeah, I don't know enough about this draft class to know 
if the drop-off in talent from like 9, 10 it, to that, 14. That, that, that's around where the drop-off is. is like it? The, okay. the top nine or so are, are and you never know. Like, well, yeah. But... It, it can change. The consensus can change. From what I gather, like, you know, Darlene's obviously number mm-hmm. one. Then there's, I believe, like the next three. And then there's like the next five. And then after that, it, it's a little it, wonky. It, it's still good. There's, you're still going to get yeah. good players. It's just not at the level of the top nine mm-hmm. or so. And like last year, like basically from basically from 15 to 45 was the same. Like and yeah. that was the thinking there. Like, yeah, yeah. They got Isaac Ratcliffe where they did. And half the half the prospect reports I read about him like, oh, yeah, he'd be moving when the Flyers before they move up. It's like. Yeah, Flyers could take him at 13. Like, it was totally feasible to get him there, and, you know, you get him in the middle of the second. Like, these things are fluid, and the teams always have a different board than, you know, the Hockey News or ESPN Insider or whoever the hell you get your mocks and stuff from. Um, I would really, really like to see them move one of those picks for— because moving up is fun that day. But unless they're getting, uh, I don't see a like NHL ready three C. Yeah, in, so he, in yeah. the top ten, you know. Because here's the thing, like I want Ryan O'Reilly or Sean Monahan or something for this first round pick. So I think that like the general consensus amongst fans at this point is kind of like this is the summer that we need to go from potential to reality, and getting an NHL roster player with one of those picks fits into that a lot more than another guy that maybe we'll see in four or five years. Like we don't really need that right now. We need someone who can make an impact on the team because we're about ready to turn the corner from potentially good team in two years. We'll be a contender to, okay, let's, you know, put everybody on the train. Exactly. Going. And the reason too, why I like the idea of hitting the trade market more than I'd like the idea of hitting the free agent market is I don't really want to get locked in to a really long-term deal. Like I, I guess I'd be I'd be willing to give a long-term deal to a winger, a winger. Like if if you want to give Michael Grabner four years, I, I'm cool with that. But I don't Charlie, want. Charlie, you're talking my there language. <laughs> but I don't want to give a long-term deal to a center, and I don't want to give a long-term deal to a defenseman because I think the Flyers have guys, have young guys yep. that will push them out soon. Like. With like, I think Frost will be up here not next year, but the following year. So I don't want to sign a center to a five-year deal and have us be, oh, what do we do with Morgan Frost? I guess he plays in the AHL for a year because we got Riley Nash on a five-year deal. And I like the idea of hitting the trade market because in the trade market, you can get a guy with two years left on his deal. Yeah. Someone's actually, like, Riley Nash is a decent, you know, nice 3-6. Yeah, I mean, if you could get Riley but Nash on a two-year deal. five years, Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, Dale Weiss got four. You, Riley you hit Nash free agency, the guys get years. Yeah. And I don't know if I want to give years. Yeah. That's it's, it's I, the same thing with goalies. Like, do, would I like an upgraded goal? Yeah, but do I want to get anybody on a five-year deal? No, because they got Carter Hart coming. No, get me a guy with one or two years left on his deal give me and get me an upgrade. Yeah. Give me Braden Holpe with two years at 6.1. That's why I don't even like to fuck with free agency. It's never worth it, in my opinion, because you're getting guys, you're paying them usually for production that they've already given to a different team. You're going to have a long-term contract that you're going to be locked into, and it's very rarely a guy like John Tavares. No, that's it's and, Dale Weiss. And, and like, yeah, that's the thing is guys like to like 
everything we say about free agents Tavares doesn't is the count. Yeah, for right. Yes. Like that is the Those guy that you give term to, yeah. but like that's not that's pretty rare. Those guys just never shake loose, right. and it looks like that trend might change a little soon. Like we thought that was with uh, with Stamkos last summer, he ends up resigning, but it looks like you know Tavares is going to hit, and then in two years or next year, it's going to be Dowdy. He's already kind of said like Carlson. 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 They've mm-hmm. both been like, yeah, I'm getting uh, I'm getting all I can get. So. <laughs> It looks like those, yeah, awesome. Finally, NHL players are being smart. Like, you get screwed every way imaginable. Get that money now because there's going to be rollbacks. Just watch. There's going to be some rollbacks. It's going to be a five-year contract limit uh, after, like, 2020. So, let's, (laughs) but, yeah, unless it's the upper echelon of, of free agents, which, for the first time in a long time, this team can actually afford and it's not going to be, oh, yeah, we're screwed. And it's not going to have to be, yeah, we have to give an illegal contract to this guy that the NHL is going to make a little, like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. oh, yeah, we're just going to have to give Shea Weber 13 years because the only way to give him the money he's worth and have it, like, cap compliant is uh, to make it ridiculous. One thing you mentioned in the beginning of the show, and if Hextall cares one bit about PR, he better do this. When you said, like, I just want to hear that you sent John Tavares an offer. Yeah. Like, I I don't think they're going to get John Tavares. They have the cap space, but when it comes down to it, John Tavares can go to any team he wants. Yeah, there are going to be 30 teams that want John Tavares. Everybody's going to be the running for John Tavares. And, yeah, the Flyers might luck out. He might say, hey. I'd like to play with, you know, Sean Gaturier, Nolan yeah. Patrick, and try to win a cup. That would be awesome, and that'd be great. But it's not something that you should expect. At the same time, Ron Hextall, you have a fan base that is starving for something. Yeah. They're starving for the idea that you care to improve this team now. So I don't care how you do it. If you say it, if you leak it out to someone, like, you got to let the fans know that you at least tried to get this guy. Yeah, le- Offer sheet all the Ottawa players. <laughs> yeah, no, that I, I've been pushing for a, uh, a Mark Stone. I'm into that sheet. one so hard. They won't match. Never. They won't. You can go get Mark Stone. If you really want him, you can go get him. Yep. They won't match. They're Fuck cheap as shit. those unwritten rules, <laughs> Ron. Shit. Yeah, but like leak. Leak the Tavares offer. Just be like, oh, put out a memo that all of a sudden ended up on Twitter. That was like, oh, yeah, we sent him. We sent him an offer seven years, 77 mil. He, he just, just decided to, to go to Montreal. If that's what happens, that's what happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, like, you know, you have no control over where he signs. But if you offered him seven and 77 and he just took that somewhere else, so be it. But make the offer and let me know you did. Yeah. Because, like, I just... Let me know you love me. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to hear some like oh, we didn't think that we needed John Tavares. We just needed a nice, reliable three C. Like get fucked, Ron. Go get me John yeah. Tavares. Like we just watched Derek. Like that. Like I said, man, Derek Broussard is the Penguins three C. This whole idea of oh no, depth center will be fine. No, it won't be. No, you need to get like an a serious upgrade at that position. I had an argument with someone be... at work today. Does we he... don't need a 1C. I'm like, no, we don't. But wouldn't it be nice we... to have a 1C at 2C yeah, and a 2C yeah. at 3C it's, it's not, and a not... 3C at 4C? Like, it's, yeah. you it... can't have too much of it. It's not like the Penguins were like, well, we have Sidney Crosby, so we got to trade Malkin because yeah. you can't have two one yeah. right. like, No, we got two one Cs. This is amazing. Right. No, exactly. The Kings were like, we got Kopitar. We don't need Richards and Carter. <laughs> oh, it turns out you did. That helped. That's how you won a couple cups. Yeah. Like, I just. Uh, More good players is good. Who knew? 
so we did this a little <laughs> last week. I guess we have time to elaborate on it now. Uh, what do you really think is realistic to add to this roster? Like a couple of names, some people you think are realistic options that we could be seeing that maybe we haven't touched on. Mine is mine continues to be Mark Stone. Uh, if Hextall really wants to make a little bit of noise and go ahead and piss off the Ottawa front office, yeah, who, who cares? cares? None of them are going to be employed soon anyway. <laughs> You're not right? wrong. Uh, oh no, we're never going to get another deal with Ottawa done. Oh, who gives a shit? What, what's my my ideal offseason would be? You get get me a top six forward who can score. That's why I've always mentioned Mike Hoffman. You know, try to try to pry him away from Ottawa. As long as you don't have to give up like a Sandheim, try to pry him away from Ottawa. Get me a three C that's much better than Valtteri Filppula, and uh, and then from there, you know, I would be cool with those two. If those were the only two yeah. acquisitions, I'd be cool with that. I'd be fine with that because I, I like filling out the bottom six with guys like Albe Kubel. Yes. If you can't get me if you can't get me a top six scoring winger, get me a Michael Grabner type. Get me a guy who, you know, he's not gonna score thirty goals of the Flyers, but he's gonna add speed and he's gonna be a good penalty killer. So it, it's basically get me a winger, either a good scoring one or an actual good middle sixer, like yeah. not a Dale Weiss, but like a good one like yeah, a Michael the guy Grabner. Who you think that is, yeah. And then get me a three C that's not named Val Philpla. I wouldn't hate a, a little Ryan O'Reilly redemption arc if it could be done cheaply. I'm cool with that. I like Ryan. You know, O'Reilly. like yeah. uh, I, I Ryan O'Reilly might be at the top of my. You lost your love for hockey. We will bring it back to you. I mean, our booze. I, I would lose my silence. I would lose. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Ex- he is on an ex- expensive deal. Let me check yeah. to see how long the deal is because I know he gets paid a lot, but he's kind of at the top. Yeah, of my, like th- uh... that's the concern. It's it's a it's a six. So he's got five years left on the deal Ooh. after this. It's seven and a half. So that's, that's a lot. seven and a half. Yeah, like I that's a pretty expensive deal that's, that's a lot. he's only 27 though so yeah. it's not like he's past his prime but five years is a long time that especially long when time. you got morgan frost coming yeah i don't want anyone blocking morgan frost and you truly believe morgan frost is an nhl center. yes oh my god once he gets a little beefy i think that we got something there oh, no, i guess I, you could move o'reilly to wing but i don't know I, I, I look if they if they go after ryan o'reilly especially because he has the big deal maybe you get him cheaper because buffalo yeah. wants to get out from under it yeah, I'm interested, but you do have to account for the fact that five years at seven and a half mil—that's not cheap. Do you think there's a chance they go after a veteran defenseman like uh, like a Josh Manson? I mean, uh, if, I would love Josh Manson. They're never Anaheim's never going to trade Josh Manson. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's exactly what they need stylistically. But Anaheim, you know, Anaheim gave away Shea Theodore in the uh, yeah. in the expansion draft so they could protect Josh Manson. They're okay. not going to trade him away the next season. It's yeah. probably not. A popular opinion, but I'm completely uninterested in a, another veteran defenseman. I don't really care how good he is blocking our rookie defenseman. Like I'm just not interested. I just in wonder. Anyone. I don't want there to be another excuse for Travis Sanheim to not play hockey games. That's totally fair. Uh, this is contingent on losing Radko. Like okay. I don't want um, three veterans. Yeah, I, the I'm, way we define veterans in the lineup. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm a, top, for Radko a, anyway. a true top four defenseman. I think would be really, really nice. That was one of the good things, though, that we like legitimately good things you heard from Hextall in this in this uh, exit interview, where he, for probably the first time, said, "I view Provi and Ghost as veterans." Finally, that was great to hear because he admitted right after that that I wasn't feeling real good about going young on the defense this past year. But I'm okay with it next year because I view yeah. Provi and Ghost as vets. That's good. And they that, are. I want you to see them as vets. Yeah, they because are. Because now we don't have to have vets. Yeah, this is... <laughs> pro by vets, I mean not yeah. that good vets. Yeah. Uh, People who are bad at hockey. Real quick, Lazinski and Allison both going back to college? 
Luzinski is definitely going back to college. He confirmed that today. Allison is interesting because he wants to go back to college. I don't think the Flyers want him to go back to college. So they're going to keep at him to see if they can convince him to turn pro. My guess is he does go back, though. <sighs> These guys Come get go paid, back. kid. Bring all your ginge to Philly. All I want is for Dave Haxtell to go back to college. Yeah, and go back to kids college, are going. Dave. What's the matter with you kids? Make money. Goddamn millennials. Silly Communists. <laughs> I know. Oh, I need an education. For no, you what? Don't. You're a hockey player. Get that money. I want my hockey players to not be able to read. <laughs> That's probably most of them. <laughs> that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you to our Facebook Live watchers. Uh, you guys are the best hanging out, getting the show first. Everyone else, step up your game listening to it three days late. It's out of nah. style by then. No, we love you all the same. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.